So, John, uh, we're here together talking about prayer, and uh, you know, this is actually kind of fun for me since I guess we've kind of been prayer partners for each other over the last couple of weeks, and uh, maybe just to start, it might be worth just saying a little bit about uh, who you are and I guess how we know each other. Yes, so um, yeah, I go to Fox Island Alliance Church. Which is uh, where we are Which right is now. where we are right now, yeah. and so I know Michael from being a part of that family and uh yeah i've served here and and uh so i know michael just and uh, he's know his family and so that's that's how i know michael well and i guess when i think to like the first time that like i was in the same prayer related space with you i think it was uh when fox allen did this 24-hour prayer event and uh, i think i was here like at 12 and that like midnight or something and um, I just remember, I think you were here too. I remember, oh, yeah. I remember you pacing up and down praying uh-huh. in the church or something. And then I think we've just, I don't know, since then had lots of conversations about prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, thanks for joining us and just uh, sharing a little bit about prayer and um, letting Thrive listen in. Um, so I think just um, to dive into just this conversation, um, would you just share with us a little bit about why prayer is important to you you know, why, why does it matter? What does it mean to you? Yeah, so I grew up I grew up in the church, and my whole life, prayer was a religious activity. And I thought it was kind of boring. It was something you did before meals. It was something you did at church. When I was a kid, the pastor, uh, for some strange reason, would turn the lights off when he prayed. And so when I was a kid, he'd pray in the dark. And I remember after the prayer, it would be super long. Uh, this was like an old Baptist church that I went to when I was a kid. It'd be super long prayer. And then he turned the lights on and I'd be like so disoriented. Um, and as a child, I, I just thought that was really weird that he would turn the lights off. But anyway, huh. I, I just thought prayer was boring and something that you did at church. And, but the only person that I knew that had maybe a little bit of a different prayer life was my mom. And so she, she was a woman who prayed and she had a group of friends that prayed. And so, uh, growing up, her friends prayed for me all the way through elementary school, middle school, high school, and then even through college. And when I was in, uh, after college, I went through a really challenging experience in my life. Um, my faith, journey had kind of been up and down and I went through this trial that was super challenging and super hard and um, for the first time in my life I actually began to cry out to God Hmm. and it was also during that time that my mom began to pray for me with her prayer group of these 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 older women and uh, I began to feel the sense that God was moving in my life for the first time Hmm. I could see his hand for the first time and I could see that he was that he wasn't just a storybook God but he was a real living God and um, as as I began to pray and as I began to see prayers answered and I began to feel like other people were praying for me I my faith grew and so in that season I was really drawn to um, Psalm 34 and uh, and I began to read that psalm 
and I began to really think about David and his heart for God and his his brokenness for God and um, that was kind of how my my prayer life started huh so Psalm 34 are there like just even a couple of verses you want to read for us that just kind of captured what God was doing through that psalm in your life yeah so I feel like David he's definitely one of my my prayer heroes from the Bible Hmm. and the thing about David that resonated with me during that time was his um, he just approached God through every circumstance that he was going through, whether it was in his sin or his brokenness mm. or whatever circumstance he was in, he was always engaging God honestly and in a real raw way. And so Psalm 34 is actually when David pretended to be insane in front of, in front of Abimelech. Mm. So in that part of the, the David story, he's running away from Saul and he's hiding with the Philistines, I believe. Uh, and this, so in this section, he's, um, it's right after he has a slim getaway from Abimelech. So he says, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for joy for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. Troubles, For the angel of the Lord is, is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear, fear him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. So there's more, there's more to that. But as I was reading it, um, I would just read this psalm over and over again, and I would pray over the scripture. And, you know, it was, it was during that season that the Bible was coming alive and prayer was coming alive as I was reading hmm. and praying the prayers back to God. And I just, I related so much to David running from Saul, and I related so much to David um, in his pain and his suffering and what, he, what was going on in his life at that time. And so just reading these words... They became, they became like my prayers too, hmm. and I feel like that was the first time in my life where I began to actually praise God for the first time. Uh, it was the first time where I discovered that I can, I can speak to Him and and declare who He is, and I can relate to Him in that way. And so, wow. I mean, one of the things I really love in that is, I mean, it just sounds to me like prayer was one of the ways in which God first became really real to you. I mean, is that a fair way to put that? Yes. Yeah, it was through yeah, it was through prayer that yeah, God became a real God. That he became he became a living God. Hmm. A God a God of encounter. Well, man, I would love just to drill down on that a little bit more with you just because I feel like one of the things that I know has definitely been, you know, part of my own experience um, and probably for many people in Thrive who have grown up going to church, um, you know, maybe with Christian parents, is that prayer has, there's almost like, I think, a false familiarity that can come with prayer where, like, you've heard it so often to, like, end a sermon or around a dinner table that it really can just begin to feel like um, something so casual you just almost forget it. Um, and so I'm just curious, like, you know, you've kind of said that there was 
this really dramatic inbreaking where prayer um, helped God become real to you. But, um, you know, what would you say has been true of your prayer life after that? I mean, has it always been kind of this consistent high point or have there been times where you've really had to fight to keep prayer um, to be this truly relational encounter um, as opposed to just kind of this, you know, routine humdrum thing that Christians do? I feel I feel like staying in a place of prayer is is a fight because you have the world competing in your life. And so for me, you know, I was going through this time of brokenness and I was encountering God and I was and I was beginning to press into prayer. And it's exciting when you see God move for the first time. But as my life got busy, I went to grad school. I when I would get dis- as I'd get distracted in the world, my prayer life would kind of go down, and then and then I would go during the summer, and I would reconnect with church and and uh, had mentors and people pouring into me, and and then I would my prayer life would begin to go up, especially when I had other people to engage me. And as as I got farther and farther away from the hardship that I had come out of, I felt myself doling a little bit, and so um, when I finished grad school, actually moved in with a house of guys and it was during that time that uh, five of us started going and doing ministry together in the local juvenile detention facility and the five of us would pray uh, four of us lived or three of us lived together we would pray in our house in the basement every night and we would pray sometimes for for hours at a time for our church uh, for the ministry that we were doing together and for each other. And it, that was when I began to practice prayer more as a discipline. Hmm. And through that time, um, just on a practical sense, my prayer life deepened. And it became something that wasn't necessarily attached to my desperation, but became more of a, more of a part of my life hmm. uh, during that time. So it sounds like there was definitely like a, a stage where it felt easy and natural just out of the desperation you were experiencing. But then there also had to be kind of this second experience where you were really drilling down on what it looks like to make this a regular and consistent part of, of life. Yeah. Huh. Well, with that in view, I'm just curious to hear your answer to this. W- would you say that prayer is easy or is it hard just overall? I'd say it's both. So prayer is both easy and hard. It's kind of like running. So if, you, if you're a runner, easy, an easy run for one person is not an easy run for another person. And in the same way, there's parts of a run that might be easier than other parts of a parts of a run, and so I find that prayer, just like running, if I were going to go run a marathon, I wouldn't want to start at my top speed in the beginning. I'd want to start with something a little easier or something slower. If I started with a hill, that might be a lot more challenging than if I started, you know, on something flat. So I feel like with prayer, prayer can be easy and hard at the same time there's seasons of life where prayer just comes naturally there's seasons of life where you're more connected with god um, than others Mm. Um, and i also think prayer is is cultivated over time it's cultivated through relationship with god so as you engage god more in your life you're going to find that prayer becomes easier and easier Mm. but even for me prayer is still hard most of the time even when i'm starting out or especially when I'm starting out, I, I try to pray, and if I feel dry, it feels like work. But I know in faith that after a while, if I keep going, um, then I'm going to find a place where suddenly it gets easier. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that actually kind of leads into just um, another thing I'd love to pick your brain on, which is just what practically has been helpful to you as you've prayed. You know, I know that um, there are endless books that are out there about prayer, how to pray, different kinds of prayer. But, um, you know, to be honest, a lot of that just feels pretty overwhelming and bewildering. Um, You know, just would there be a couple of things that you have just found have really been catalytic in helping you pray and even increasing your hunger for prayer? Yeah. I think the the best one is praying scripture. Hmm. So I, I read Psalm 34. There's so many Psalms that you can just take as your prayers. You know, this is David talking to God and we can relate to David. And when you pray scripture, it actually makes scripture come alive in your heart and in, embeds it in your in your heart and writes it on your heart so i'd say that's the number one thing you know when you read the bible don't just study it but also put it on put it in your heart put it in your mind um as you pray it back to god and so i think that's that's one of the best things you can do and it's so easy easy to do uh basically you're just talking to god about scripture you're asking him questions you're you're asking him to uh reveal it to you you're asking him to um apply it to your life. Hmm. You know, that just, to me, that sounds like kind of a, a way of reading the Bible that's a lot more relational than I think a lot of people are familiar with. Is that something that, you know, how, how did that happen for you? Was there a, a moment where like you where it kind of clicked and you found yourself able to engage with the Bible as more than just words on a page, but actually is like, man, I'm talking to God right now. And, you know, he's talking to me. Yeah, that, I mean, that really happened almost at the same time that I was encountering God in, in prayer hmm. during my desperation. The Bible also became food at the same time. And I, you know, where it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hmm. You know, when you're, when you're desperate for God and you're finding it in his word, um, then the word becomes alive. And it's not just a duty or an obligation to read or to pray. It becomes something that, that energizes you. It, it brings life to you. And, I mean, that's what the scripture says. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, just going back to the whole thing about just practices that have been helpful, I know one thing that we've talked about before is something called long prayer. Do you want to just say a little bit about what that is? Yeah, so that's something that um, the, the phrase that Scotty Kessler uh, uses, a, a prayer guy that he used to be a pastor at Life Center. Um, yeah, long prayer is praying for at least an hour. Hmm. And that's been, that's such a great activity to do with other people. And the best way to kind of get into long prayer is to use tacos. And that's one thing, one technique that I like to use. I also use tacos just for my own personal prayer um, life, just to kind of get me primed up for prayer. And tacos basically are, um, and you could do an hour of just tacos or you could do an hour of specific topics. Um, it's good to have a prayer leader to kind of help lead yeah. the time so you don't get off base. But TACOS uh, is Thanksgiving. So it's an acronym? It's an acronym. Yeah. It stands for Thanksgiving, Adoration, Confession, Others, or Intercession. If you like tacos. I like tacos better. Tacos are better. More, yeah. uh, and then self. And so Thanksgiving, I always think of, you know, enter his gates with thanksgiving Mm. there's something about thanking god that automatically connects you with his heart you know i feel like 
if I feel disconnected from God, all I have to do is start thanking him for things. Mm. And it's, it's actually really easy to thank God for things. You just start thinking about the people you love, your family, the ways that God's provided for you. Thank, thank him for your job or uh, the provisions in your life that he's, that he's done. And I'm, you, if you're in a bad mood, if you start thanking God, you're going to immediately feel better. Mm. And then adoration and thanksgiving, they're almost interchangeable, but adoration is just declaring the attributes of God back to him. You know, God, you are beautiful. God, you're wonderful. God, you're so good. You're so pure. You're holy. You know, when you declare those things back to God, he, um, I mean, it just feels good even to say that right now, just to declare who he is. And that really like brings you to a place of connection with God. When you do that with a group of people, I mean, oftentimes I'll feel the greatest sense of God's presence in a group prayer time when mm. you begin to thank and adore God together, Yeah, mm. which is a perfect segue to confession, which is probably one of those uh, types of prayer that people like to avoid, which is why it's perfect in the middle of tacos. But confession is our way of uh, spiritual breathing. Mm. You know, when we confess our sins to God and to one another, we're actually allowing God's light to come in our on our sin and it's when his light comes it's like a soothing healing balm and it destroys sin in our lives so confession is is just so significant and important and it really kind of helps free free us up to have a pure heart to pray for others and for ourselves and that's the third part um, usually when you start praying you always start with praying for others and self but it's good to remember to also confess your sin, to walk in repentance, and, and to praise God. So others, obviously, is intercession. You know, because, because Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he made a way for us to have a relationship with God where we can just go right up to his throne room like little kids and ask him for things. And we have this wonderful ability to intercede for others and for events and things going on in the world and in, and in people's lives. And so this is like probably the coolest thing that Christian has available to them is the power to actually shift things around them mm. through intercession. And so we, uh, as we pray for others, um, we, I think it's a great idea to have a list of prayers and to have a list of things that you're praying for, uh, for people in your life. And then of course, self, it's nice that that one's last because that's the one that we usually want to start with. Um, it's also important to pray similarly for others, uh, for, for things that you need and things that are going on in your life. Hmm. That's so good. I mean, I think that's a really helpful tool. I say that partly out of personal experience. Um, and I think one thing I really think is even pretty radical about all that is that, like, I would imagine that a lot of us would just to think of prayer as only the last two parts of tacos, just praying for other people and then praying for your own requests you know, whereas it seems to me like those first three things, thanksgiving, adoration, confession, a lot of those are just a lot more relational. You know, you're just kind of interacting with God and like, you know, sharing all the things that you need to kind of air out with him that are um, worth confessing. I, I know for me, one thing that I've been learning recently in my own prayer life is just the importance of just kind of being in God's presence um, and, and not just kind of coming into a time of prayer with just this huge agenda, you know, of like, man, I got to pray for this and I've got to pray for that and I've got to pray for this and I've got to pray for that. Eventually, I, like, I find that I do get there, but 
Um, I know for me, like there's just been something really important about just kind of stepping back and breathing and just allowing prayer to be this kind of open time of relationship with God, um, especially centered around those first three things of Thanksgiving, adoration, confession. Um, so I think it's a really, really helpful yeah. tool. Um, do you have any prayer heroes, you know, just people that you've read about mm-hmm. or have met in real life that, you know, have just been kind of stirring to your own prayer life? Yeah, George Mueller is definitely one that I really, he's, he's, he was this German uh, pastor that lived in England, I believe during the 1940s, you know. I think he, uh, I've heard of him too. I don't know exactly. Uh, I think it might've been like uh, 1800s, I thought, or something like that. He was the, he was the orphanage guy, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. I'm getting mixed up with another guy who's during World War II, but yeah, so maybe it was the late 1800s, early 1900s. So he had these orphanages and they were um, completely run by faith. So he didn't ask for money. He did not advertise. He just kept opening these orphanages and he would pray for the provision and people would send money. And oftentimes it would be the exact amount of money he needed for the bill that was at, the, at that time. And so he lived completely on faith and just, and God provided every need. And eventually he had you know, dozens of these orphanages with hundreds of, of kids being provided for all by faith. Hmm. And he never asked for any money from anybody. And so he's, he's definitely one of my heroes. I definitely, say you should read one of his um, autobiographies or biographies. Um, another guy is named Reese Howell. Uh, I'm reading his biography yeah. right now, actually. So it's Reese Howell, intercessor. And he, that's, so he was in England. I think he's a Welsh guy hmm. who, during World War II, started a prayer college, uh, a school for prayer. And all these young people came and they interceded and, and prayed. And they say that there was actual impact from the prayer on the battlefield in in North Africa Uh, there was a moment where he prayed and Hitler did something completely illogical um, during that during that time so you should definitely read that book it's a great book Um, but he he also was somebody who lived by faith and developed an amazing intimacy with God God through prayer Um, the other one is Charles Finney so the autobiography of Charles Finney is a great book and we're, what was interesting about him is just how prayer um, was a part of his preaching. And as he would, uh, you know, this was during the Second Great Awakening, he would, you know, travel and preach. And before he would go to preach, he would pray in the woods by himself. And he would wait until he felt God's presence come upon him. And he felt that he had something to offer. And then he would go in and people would just, uh, all kinds of crazy things would happen in his meetings. But basically they say that hundreds of thousands of people uh, came to Christ in, in America during the 1800s during that time. So he's, he's one of my, my prayer heroes. Huh. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think all of those guys have books written by them or about them or something. So, you know, good, easy, easily accessible, I think, for anyone who want to know more about them. Um, you know, so just like you mentioned Reese Howes, who's a guy who kind of like was called to pray at a really kind of pivotal point in world history. And just thinking about now with coronavirus, um, I mean, do you have any thoughts on just like what God might want to do in prayer through the current season that we're in? Um, 
and just whether there would be like any exhortation or invitation that you feel like um, would be extended to the church right now um, as it relates to just how we can pray um, in a pretty unique season like the one we're in right now. Yeah, I think one, one thing that's important, important or crucial is that we believe that prayer works again. And so I, I do see in the church uh, that maybe there's a little bit of anemia when it comes to prayer. And it's kind of put on the back shelf oftentimes for other things. And so I think God's calling the prayer to rise up, or God is calling the church to rise up in prayer. And that this is, this is our opportunity to pray. This is something um, that's here coming against us. But it's also an amazing opportunity for people to come to Jesus. And, you know, during times of challenge and strife and trial, that's often time, those are often the times when, when God is on the move and working and moving in our communities. And people are broken and they're hungry and they're searching for truth. And it's good to go reach out to people. And, but it's also hard to do in this, in this season. But we can all pray. And so dedicating yourself to prayer and fasting during this time and praying for our leaders, uh, praying for our state, for our country, for other nations in the world, I think is such a great, it's a great opportunity to partner with God during this season. And I've heard, mm-hmm. I've heard stories of God moving in other parts of the world and other parts of, of the nation. Um, so there are things happening, but I think instead of falling back, the church should press forward into prayer. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that's important. Yeah, well, that's so good. You know, I've just recently been listening to just some podcasts and things that have been reflections from Christian leaders on just um, what it looks like to actually approach the season that we're in as believers. Um, and, And one of the things that has just been a common theme has been the willingness to kind of embrace the humility of the time that we're in right now, where you know, in many ways, I feel like the church kind of has been humbled by a lot of the things that we're used to, like Sunday services being taken away. Um, but that that in and of itself is actually kind of this invitation to go deeper with God um, yeah. and to come out the other side stronger. And that the way to come out stronger is not through, you know, putting on a bigger show, but just doing it all on Zoom. But mm. instead through like through things like prayer and, and really meeting God afresh through prayer and, and other means, um, because it'll ultimately be through knowing him in a deeper way that will allow, you know, a church or, or even just an individual believer to kind of come out the other side of this thing stronger. Um, so I know that's like just definitely something that like I have had a stirring about in my own life and feel like I, mm-hmm. you know, have lots of, of room to still be pursuing that. But so, John, just as we wrap up here, uh, I just want to ask one final question. And the question is, um, you know, what, so just thinking about thrivers who are listening to this um, and, and potentially uh, even thrivers who really would long to see prayer become this encounter with God, but maybe feel like they don't know where to start or feel like they've even been trying to do that, but just are in a rut, you know, like scripture feels dry, prayer feels yeah. dry. Um, you know, what would you say to someone like that for, for where to start in order to see God become real in prayer? I would say if you're feeling dry and if you feel disconnected from the Lord, you know, find people that, that are the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, find people, not, not people that, that are intimidating or religious or uh, 
maybe make you feel ashamed for being where you're at, but people that, that in humility can bring you in and uh, kind of invite you into their own, in their own personal lives. I think that being discipled by somebody who has passion for the Lord, who has passion uh, for prayer is like a great start. Just praying and being with people that also like to pray is such a, a wonderful thing. And so, and that was important for me too. I, as I prayed with other people, it was, it really helped spark uh, more passion and desire for prayer. And so sometimes it can feel really lonely to, you know, to pray by yourself, but oftentimes it starts with being with other people that love to pray. Um, but I would say too, that if you're in a desperate spot or you feel lonely or it's hard, you know, open up to God and allow God to come into that part of your life. And as you open up to him, he will, he'll give you words to pray. He'll help you uh, to know how to pray. And so there's a part of it is just trusting the Lord and, and giving it time. You know, sometimes we uh, spend maybe 10 minutes um, doing something and then we're like bored and over with it. With prayer, if you, you know, pray for 10 minutes and nothing happens, most of the time you'll quit. But what if you, you know, just pressed in a little bit longer, you know, maybe... I think sometimes when we try praying, we can only handle a few seconds, to be honest, uh, or maybe even a couple of minutes if we try really hard. But sometimes if you just give yourself over to prayer impatiently, a little spark will happen. And every time you see God move or you feel his presence or um, you remember an answer to prayer or you experience an answer to prayer, uh, it increases your faith to pray more. And so try to press into it. Try to do more. That's really good. Man, you know, I just, I, I'm thankful for all that you've shared, and I hope that that just kind of broadens our perspective on, on what prayer could be. Um, and so just thank you for being so open about just what your experience of prayer has been and um, just for sharing all that you've shared. It's been really cool. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for talking. Yeah.